Yeah. But yeah. when you sit around the fire to talk about a movie, it gets you all up and running again. Fire. After you have a big old F around the... Fire. The, fire. Uh, fire. Why are you doing that? <laughs> <laughs> it's... I'm symbol. It's I'm, symbolic. I'm telling yes. you how cool you are. Okay, thank you're, you. You're fire. I'm fire. Yeah. Thank you. you. He, he teaches students for one day, and he starts. Do you? <laughs> do you mind? He <laughs> teaches. I think that's the second week in a row I've said that for starting the podcast. He teaches students for one day, and he knows all the terms, the hip terms. Give me. A, give me another one that you that you hear every day. Sheesh. Um. <laughs> uh. Yeah. No. Off topic. I, I, know, I know stuff. That's not something I hear every day. Sheesh. I know stuff. Sheesh. That one? Sheesh. Sheesh. Yeah, I, I think that's gone away. That's over. That's, yeah, that's, yeah, that's yeah that was like six months ago. <laughs> yeah. That's, oh, six months ago. Yeah. Feels like a decade ago. You're going to say think something? Riz no, is still I, in. I, Riz I, is still in. Yeah, Riz I, is still in. I'm, uh, <laughs> I'm a student teaching at a uh, uh, magnet school that, yeah. That and is, they got Riz. They have, uh, <laughs> they have, yeah, they have brains. <laughs> <laughs> brains that formulate sentences. Brains that, yeah, more be, more better than me. Well, Jose, we had two brains that formulate sentences right into us, and you wanted to talk about it. What? Two brains? What the hell uh, two, are you segueing into? Uh, uh, I don't, uh, emails. I miss my cue. Emails. Oh, email, email time. I, email time. I don't have the exact email, but the specific one from Karina was that Brandon and I are wrong about oat milk and that she agrees with you that oat milk is good. What can I say? Um, what can I say? That's the other a professional email she opinion sent was about Korean prebiotics, and she sent me a link to Mayo Clinic. I haven't read it yet, so... I'll get back to you so guys on that one. So that's to explain what pre and probiotics are? Yes. Oh, I forgot we talked about that. I said <laughs> prebiotics are in the, in before, the, the before the intestines and then And probiotics, probiotics are what the aliens give you. In your probe. So hole. next week, I'll read, I'll read the article and let you guys know what Karina said about that. Yeah, we'll skip yeah, the movie next week and yeah. we'll do a full article read. On, on pre and, pre and probiotics. probiotics. Yeah. From the mayonnaise. Din dinner with a probiotic. <laughs> I feel like we need I mean, we more should. of those. <laughs> yeah, we need pre and probiotics every episode, and we start rating which ones help us the most per meals. I've been drinking kefir every day. What's that? Drinking it's, what? It's like... Um, like Is it kombucha? It's like... Oh, it's that, that bottle right there. Can you see it? I can't. Um, My no. vision is awful. It's, it's like... It tastes like buttermilk, kind of, so I really like it. But... It has like bacteria in it that is good for your guts. Huh. See, I always told you that the way I do that is I is I eat the raw chicken. Yeah. So I get the bacteria to strengthen my gut. Yeah, I think that's the wrong kind of bacteria. Yeah, bacteria. <laughs> There's no wrong kind of bacteria when it comes to strengthening yourself. Uh, Does that help you though? Not this raw chicken. <laughs> <laughs> um, I think it I think it yeah, I think it's helping. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I need to probably get some of the pre and pros in me somehow. Yeah. I was taking an actual probiotic every day. Um, but yeah, 
Okay. I don't, you, you know me. I don't I don't toilet. Yeah. Like yeah, yeah, yeah. normal people. We, we've so. discussed the toilets. Yeah. Yeah. I think I've noticed. I just go in the shower now. In terms, <laughs> in terms of, in terms of my toilets, um, uh, there was a while where I thought like my stomach was really messed up, and recently it was really good. Like it, my my tummy was fine. I would never had tummy aches, and then I had Popeyes one time, and it was bad for a week and a half. Mm. And uh, I think I've I've figured Popeyes, out what happened man. is I was eating Popeyes every other day, <laughs> so it never gave my stomach time to to get over it. Right. Um. And now I realize I need to eat Popeyes. Um. Never. Uh. To I fucking okay. t- didn't I say this last podcast we did? I still think Popeyes, Popeyes is good. Awful. But I yes. learned by um, repeated failures, and it took me a few years. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> um, I've gotten really good in the last year of correlating when my, what do we say, toilets? Toilets. <laughs> are. <laughs> Toilet events. Worse. And it's always, <laughs> it's always cheese. But okay, I've had more okay. cheese than I probably should. I've noticed that the next, I don't have like an instant toilet. <laughs> but the morning after, because I'm fairly consistent the about. The morning after toilet. Yeah. Yeah. I always have a morning after toilet once I clock in. <laughs> Never before. <laughs> you put on your call sheet. You're not your call sheet, right. but the I time clock sheet. in and I'm like, all right, gotta now I Jeez. go toilet. <laughs> toilet. Uh, well, welcome to Dinner of the Movie. I'm one of your host, Blake. And as always, I'm joined by Brandon and we're joined by Jose. And this toilet podcast is sponsored by today Eraserhead. Uh, not, well, we watched it and we ate little chickens, um, Cornish hens, right? Yeah. Uh, which, from my understanding, they're just chickens, but they just kill them a lot earlier. Little, little chickens, yeah. Yeah. And uh, we had salad, which are two very important foods to this very important movie. The only foods. Well, they're feeding something to the to the baby. We could have had, ba- we we had baby, baby food. food. Yeah. <laughs> oh, that would have been really good, actually. Damn it. No. It wouldn't have been good. No. What is isn't baby food? Is it just food? It's just pureed. It's pureed. Versions of and, adult food. Yeah. We should have had baby food. Damn. It's, just, it's not seasoned or anything. It's just right. bland. Mm-hmm. That's why he's spitting it up. Mm. Uh, well, yeah, we ate that. Uh, Brandon cooked the chicken and made the salad. As always, he's our chef for the day. And it was very good chicken. Hens. Yeah, I chicken. wish it had more flavor. I um, like the lemon. The lemon was, was a good it. touch. I yeah. like that a lot. That, yeah. that meant like anytime I, I ripped a little piece off the chicken, I start rubbing around the lemon juice. And it was really tasty. They were stuffed with lemons. Yeah, I found it. Yeah, you got to search for it. Yeah, to probe it. You have to pr- yeah. Probe, probe, I actually yeah, bit into one of the lemons, thinking it was a piece of chicken. It was pretty good. That's not bad. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I've noticed. I've noticed recently that like adding a lemon to most of my meals is like so good. I didn't use a lot of lemons before, and now whenever a lemon's appropriate, realizing when it I should have used it. Now, when I do use it, you know what lemons really get in? Huh? Soups, not cream-based yeah. soups, but yes, soups. Mm-hmm. If you put, if you squeeze a wedge of lemon in there, oh, well, it's, Peter, Hispanics put lime in, other any, level. in all soups. Mm-hmm. So yeah, lime is good too. Well, Peter's Greek, and and they use a lot of lemons. Yeah, and so he's been lemoning my life up. <laughs> it's a lemon party at our house, uh, and. Um, uh, yeah, so I chose this movie. Um, <laughs> uh, so this was what I wanted to take out. 
And I wanted to take it out for a really long time or replace it with something else. Uh, we were going to use our, our golden ticket, but to get rid of it uh, in my mind. And I'm, I would have regretted it. I think I'm glad we watched it. I'm, I think it's a really formative movie for me in terms of like how I like movies and think of certain movies. Um, and I'm really glad we got to watch. It. I'm really excited to hear what you both think of it. Um, I have a question. What did any of us use our golden ticket that we no, no. came up with? I, I I just thought the same thing. None of us took out a movie. No, <laughs> none I of us see. took out a movie and replaced it with something else. We did take out a movie and then put it back in. But yeah, that's because we had a guest coming or something. Right? I thought the look you both were giving me was like. About your do you really movie, like this movie choice? Do you really like this movie? <laughs> Did this really form your movie opinions? <laughs> um, I watched this in Keenan's class for when we watched David Lynch and, uh, and Coen Brothers movies, and I think the discussion in that class was like really helpful. Um, I have like, I I have a super love and hate relationship with David Lynch. Um, well, this is our second one we've watched. We watched uh, Elephant Man before. Um, yeah. But yeah, I'm really curious to hear what you both think about this because the more I watched this, the more I remembered why I was influenced when I made Doom music video um i could see a lot of your influence in watching this i was like oh i, I could see the music video <laughs> yeah and, and i yeah. think that's like really cool when i was watching it, i was like okay why did i why was i going to take this out because this is like genuinely like an influence just for me um and i forgot how many of the scenes we got so close like i'm thinking of um uh not only just when the baby gets ripped open but when the bleeding starts happening on the theater like on the stage mm -hmm. um that just made me think of the rat and things like that and he sinks into the water and there's so much there's there's so much that we did um uh yeah but brandon what about your experience with eraserhead i have never seen eraserhead and i watched it for this podcast Jose, <laughs> I had never seen Eraserhead, and I watched it once for this podcast. I also no did, more. I didn't have time for a double watch, but I kind of wish I did double watch. Oh, interesting. Yeah, I would have thought you would have been like, I just no, didn't no. have time. I think my whatever opinion I have of it currently would have probably been worse if I watched it a second time. Yeah. I think I needed to watch it once and have a discussion about it before watching it again. Okay. I, I, I may agree with you. Yeah. But but I my first watch, I had an opinion of it, but I let it brew for half a day and I reached my final my final rating. That's nice. That's one of those like you gotta simmer. You I gotta think, let it simmer. I think this is a movie you have to simmer with a little bit mm -hmm. and say oh i get i, I okay i get that <clears throat> right yeah. I, I think this is a, a, a movie that you have to be a certain type of film watcher to enjoy yeah yeah you, you cannot just probably film school students you, yeah, you have yeah. to be some they're the worst <laughs> <laughs> i think there's like some they're, level they're of arrogance out. that yeah. you need they in, leave pinky out <laughs> in film analysis to really enjoy this movie um <laughs> I, like my what I said earlier. What did I say? I don't know if I could recommend this movie to anybody. Yeah, yeah. And it's not in the like the quality of the movie. It's the type of movie that it is. Right. Yeah. Um, I don't think I could tell my parents like, hey, you should get you guys should check this movie out. See, my counter to that would be the the reason this movie got so popular is because it was the type where like you would go to your friends and be like, you gotta see what this fucking weird thing in the theaters, and you take your friends as a group. And you go like experience it in like the theater. And I've done that with friends like as well, where like after we watched it in class, I, I got a few of my friends and we all sat down, and we just watched it. And it's like, it's so 
weird and i think there's enough things even for like a modern audience watching it <clears throat> that are like still weird today that i think make it a fun group watching experience um but i know exactly what you mean uh and this movie breaks a lot of rules that modern me says makes a really bad surrealist annoying movie uh, and I wonder if that's like this was one of the first that I kind of really got into or if it's just because like I watched it in school. I don't know. Like what makes me accept the rule breaking? If I watched this like three or four years ago in a group setting, I'd be like, why the fuck did you make me watch this? <laughs> yeah. I know exactly. That's what my opinion would be. Yeah, right. Four years ago. Um, yeah. You, you have to <clears throat> be in a specific mindset. I say, I it's your opinion now. Uh, Why the fuck did you make him watch this? I I made you watch it. No, because watching it now. He didn't didn't invite you with a group of friends to go watch it. He forced you to watch watch it for the podcast. (laughs) Yeah, you got to watch it alone. (laughs) I'll get into what I feel about this movie. Okay. Yeah. Well, let's move on uh, to our log line. Why don't we? Okay. My log line. A man is trapped in his own nightmarish world when his out-of-wedlock premature chicken-fish hybrid baby (laughs) comes to live with him during his vacation. (laughs) (laughs) That's a good point. (laughs) Uh, Jose, you got some fun facts for it? I couldn't make it through without (laughs) That's a good description of the baby. Uh, Eraserhead came out in 1977. It is written and directed by David Lynch and produced, and he did the score as well. Um, We've already talked about David Lynch when we watched Elephant Man. He also did Dune, Blue Velvet, Twin Peaks, Mulholland Drive, The Straight Story. Uh, It has a runtime of an hour and 29 minutes. Um, The cinematographer, there's two actually. Uh, Herbert Cardwell and Frederick Elms. I think that's because this was filmed over five years. And oh, was it really? Yeah, and they uh, it took so long. I assume that's because they had to just like switch off whoever was available at the time. Uh, Herbert Cardwell has only done one more, the Amputee, which is a short, and then Frederick Elms went on to do some of uh, David Lynch's other stuff, like Blue Velvet and Wild at Heart. Uh, he also did Hulk, uh, Synecdoche, New York, uh, The Dead Don't Die, and the series The Night of. Um, but uh, yeah, I've seen which, Blue Velvet. Which Hulk? The Hulk that you couldn't watch? It just Ang- says Hulk. I think that's the one. The Angly one? I think so. Yeah. It's whatever's just called yeah. Hulk. Hulk is Angly. The Incredible Hulk is the one with Ed Norton. Okay. Yeah. Which one did... When, when, when did the Hulk... When did the first one? Angly come out? 2003, I think. That might have been the one that I couldn't see. I would have been the seven. The one with Eric Bana. Yeah, I would have yeah. been seven at the time. Um... That's considered the bad one, right? <clears throat> it's weird. It's technically a sequel to the The Incredible Hulk, but it's not. It's it's a confusing yeah. thing. I think they're both considered bad though. To Are answer your question. Both? Yeah. Yeah. I, I don't remember. I just remember my mom made me leave because they said, God damn it. And she looked to my dad and said, you can take us to a movie that takes the Lord name in vain. And she walked me out. <laughs> and my dad just stayed. So we sat in the the movie lobby and waited for the movie to end outside. Um, Poor Blake. Really uh, symbolic of my parents' relationship. <laughs> <laughs> and, yeah, of, I'd be interested. I would be really interested if your 
mom came on the podcast um watch this oh, movie that would be awesome she would be great that would be awesome <laughs> she would be so good um if she would like like torch song trilogy oh she would 100 percent. she would yeah. love it yeah um, share it with her i should i don't know how because i feel like unless she can purchase it on pay-per-view on her no next time you're up there just put it on oh me. yeah that's a good yeah. point yeah i should do that i know she'd love it um Oh, yeah. I, should, I, should I always think of your mom whenever we're talking about these movies. She always thinks of you whenever I go up to see her. Really? She always asks how you're doing. Mm-hmm. She's so nice. She never asks about Jose, though. That's okay. Does she not? <laughs> no, Why? she doesn't. She does. I'm joking. <laughs> um, yeah, uh, we can move on to my character corner if we're ready. Um, there's some. Uh, there's Henry Spencer, who's our lead, a racer head man. There's Mary. I don't know if we get last names of their family. X. Mary X. Yep. That's where Elon Musk got it. <laughs> yeah. He was moved by it and said that will be Twitter. Yeah. He watched Elephant Man one day and said, I'm going to name my company X. <laughs> Which is crazy that like Elephant Man was what followed this up. Um, um, They're two very different films. Yeah. Very different. Um, it's it's like the his filmography and then he does the straight story or something like it's yeah. that sort of yeah movement between movies mm-hmm. uh and i love that about him and i think that kind of does represent how i feel about his movies in general um but we'll do character corner and we can talk more yeah, about yeah, 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 yeah. sorry <clears throat> henry spencer uh mary x i think the dad's name is bill um i don't know if they name the mom mrs x uh, there's the lady in the radiator who we've discussed over group text as a wet dream in the making. Um, <laughs> uh, there's the lady across the hall, I think is what her name is. A uh, beautiful girl. Beautiful across girl the across, the across, the across the hall. Um, and then there's Paul who's in the eraser making universe. And <laughs> the boss. <laughs> the boss. I don't know if he has a name. I think he's just credited as the boss. Boss. And then there's the eraser maker. I don't know if he has a name, um, but I think I've named all the named people. I think you've named more than enough. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> okay, you left one, Paul. You left one person the out. Baby. The baby. The baby. The baby. Which unfortunately doesn't get a good a name. The baby deserves a name. I they don't even fish, know if it is a baby. Fish chicken hybrid baby. Yeah. <laughs> I called it Voldemort baby the whole time I watched <laughs> that's it. A good, that's a good comparison. You know, when, when we made Doom, I always described George as dead baby Voldemort as well. <laughs> so I think that fits too. Um, I, uh, I first want to talk about, I want to go on a little soapbox about why this movie is also important to me before Jose fucking destroys it. <laughs> um, so I read David Lynch's book, Catch, Catching the Big Fish. I think it's called. Um, I can't remember. But he was basically like a, a autobiography about like his movie making experiences. And he describes his time with the Razorhead as feeling like he was dead. And because it took him five years to make this. And it was like during his time where he was at AFI. I, th- I think that's the college. Um, and it took him so long and it took so much of his of his time. And this was when he had a child, which makes the movie really funny. <laughs> uh, and... I always remember reading that because um, at the time, you know, there, and I was really young when I read it, but there's always that feeling like 
it's kind of a motivational feeling knowing that he was stuck in this limbo making this movie for five years and then he came out and released it and had this really un, un like known success and it just led to really great things um but there was something that was like really important to me and this was i think this was part of me because i switched between like degrees and even though that didn't really throw put me back or anything and like i said i was really young it still was really meaningful for me to read that about a filmmaker who felt behind because a project was taking so long and they he he thought it was going to be terrible he thought no one was going to watch it he thought it was going to be a waste of his time and his money and everything and like a, a waste of his professional um you know resources where you're getting a lot of uh favors from everybody um and in the end when you have something that like throws you to success like that after feeling that for so long that was a really important like um case study that i really liked hearing uh even from a director who's most of his movies i really despise um, <laughs> so i i appreciate that about it um yeah jose what do you think about eraser um it's not for me okay <laughs> i'm not a i'm not a film connoisseur type film watcher like the, these movies don't ever really click for me um it has its merits there's a lot i like about it i like how it's i like how it's filmed that's probably the biggest positive i have i can say about it. i like how it's filmed um I honestly like it. Just was a little boring for me. Yeah, I, it's that. That was pro that's probably my main criticism. It's a little boring. <laughs> I love this movie, and I fell asleep two times when I was watching it. I had it had to rewind like three times. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, it's I, the kind where you can press like skip for like three minutes, and you don't miss anything, other than atmosphere. But um, th there's a yeah. lot of times where it just lingers on something for so long and i'm like dozing i'm like <laughs> yeah. and then i'll wake up thinking i've dozed off for like five minutes and it's still on the same thing <laughs> um I, I felt that a lot during this movie just lots of lingering establishing atmosphere like you said um yeah honestly that's probably my biggest criticism it feels a, it's a little slow and it feels boring at times yeah the thing with david lynch is i never know if part of it is a joke yeah. And and I feel that sometimes in his movies where the overwhelming like artsy surrealism is in itself part of the gag. And I and I don't know what parts of it is or isn't. I get that. Um because to me it's all a joke. Yeah. Um like all of that surrealist stuff is just someone just fucking with you. Untier Merve, for example. Untier Merve is a perfect example. Um, people loved it, and then they found out that it was mocking surrealist films, and then they didn't like it anymore, which which kind of proved my point. Um, the best thing about it is that people are in the seats, in the auditorium, <laughs> watching the movie, and it's dead silent. And you can hear about a minute and a half in everyone's chairs creaking. <laughs> it just added atmosphere to it. It was it was great, and I I love it. I I love that film. I I love what we did. It was it was a wonderful experience. Um, just the three of us, really. 
Um, yeah, just making let's let's keep this movie. shot going for oh, as long as we can. Uh, and Peter, and Peter. So it was four of us. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Um, yeah, I and I and I love that. So I do get that. I think part of the surrealist stuff. I'm I any any. There's a joke in there, especially watching his other movies. I think he uses it as a joke several times, like pretty often in Twin Peaks. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I think like I the think that's backwards kind of his... talking in mm-hmm. the yeah in the dreams and stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. So it's kind of it's kind of a mix between like I sometimes I'll find it really funny. Sometimes I'll start falling asleep. Sometimes it'll be really effective in building a scene. And then sometimes I'm just like, this is wasting my fucking time. I just want to press <laughs> next where he's like, and that's yeah. how Jose felt during this entire movie. Yeah. <laughs> I never felt like I wanted to skip forward. I just wanted it to, I felt like I was you waiting to, to take the forward. next step. And yeah, I was yeah. like, okay, okay, good. We're on to the next scene. Yeah. I don't think this movie, my problem with like these surreal surrealist films, a lot of the times they feel like they're so up their own ass. And I hate any movie that feels like that. Mm. This doesn't feel like that to me. Yeah, I it, think that's the way he he kind of does his movies. Yeah, he, he it doesn't feel ever like he's taking himself too seriously. And I'm I cur- think that helps it. I'm curious if you have examples of that that come to mind. Where it takes itself too seriously? Where like you're thinking like this is something that he didn't. Like any other director would have looked at this and this scene would have been something that's a little bit more like hoity-toity, but... Like I think of this, the one that had me cracking up is when the whole eraser head scene is happening and you have the old man on the bench who, who's like yeah. distraught that he didn't reach the head. <laughs> he puts his hand out. Yeah. It's like this, this dystopian <laughs> industrial world where yeah. you need to catch the heads. You need to sell the heads to the eraser men. Yeah. And <laughs> he was like, oh, I missed out on, <laughs> on some money or something. Mm-hmm. It's like a random scene that I still have no idea. Right, what. I don't know what the man's purpose is, but it, I don't know. Something about that scene made it feel a little bit more, I guess, lighthearted. Yeah. And I think, because I was thinking about that too today, where it's like, because he does that shit. And some of the movies made me so mad. What was the one that Lost Highway you were talking about? Lost Brandon? Highway. Oh, I saw that in the movie theater. <laughs> I was so mad. I, I describe his movies as some of the worst movies I've ever seen with some of the best scenes I've ever seen. Mm-hmm. And and there's like, I think the one, like Mulholland Drive, I fucking hate. I hate Mulholland Drive. But there's one scene where there's this like boardroom meeting and it's this like seven minute scene of pure silence and someone passes out an espresso to everyone. And after all this pure silence, one of like the CEOs that's like being brought in for the meeting takes one sip of the espresso. He spits it out into his napkin and just says, is shit. And then everyone (laughs) freaks out and he leaves the room. And it's something like that. That's like, um, I think any, like you said, any other director, that would be a meaningful scene. It would be like, it would add something to story. Um, with some, in that seven minutes or, it would it would motivate something else that's going to happen. And it seems like he'll write something. And he's like, "This is kind of funny," and he just leaves it in. Yeah. And then it's. It, I guess what it makes it funny. I can imagine him 
try to convince like the producers like oh this is what this scene means and just bullshitting something yes when in reality it just means nothing <laughs> yeah and, and it's sprinkled throughout yeah because i think there's some scenes and moments and like visuals that are really really interesting and when i think about it can mean a lot but then there's some that i'm just like he did that because he thought it'd be funny yeah and it and and people who dive into the movies would try to get a meaning out of it but I think if you really asked him why did you do that, he would just honestly say it's because it was funny or weird or like it just fit the moment and it didn't actually mean anything. Because people always try to like, he's one of the directors that won't give meaning to anything that he makes. Or like he'll if he's asked in an interview, he, he just won't, won't give you a direct answer about yeah. what. Yeah. And and that's kind of the smart thing to do because something that I did wrong was in the same viewing of Untermerve, I was like. This is a fucking joke. Yeah. <laughs> you know, instead of letting, you know, people that were teaching at the time, I, like just gush, you know? So, so I, I kind of cut my own throat, you know, instead right. of saying yes. You, you remove know. the ambiguity but, but, of it. But mm. the, yeah, but the meaning of it, what the story of it is, is still the story of it. I didn't, I didn't negate the story of it and, and what I wanted to do. And I think what David Lynch wants to do and like people that do surrealist films is to connect with people and you make it what you feel is important to you. I'm not telling you what to feel. You telling yourself what to feel. Yeah, people just get meaning out of it in yeah. ways that you had, like, you did a yeah. couple scenes because it was funny and someone can walk up to you and say, that was the most, like, meaningful moment in your movie. And you're thinking, like, I did that, that because... Yeah. I did that because I wanted to make Cher cold. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, I, I wasn't. I wasn't bad like that. No, no, we, no, no. We were very concerned about her laying down in the fucking snow no the funniest thing was just that she kept coming up to you and was like what's happening what does this mean and and you're like i don't No, you said like oh what do you say i can't remember you'd always just say like what whatever it means to you whatever, yeah <laughs> whatever you back. feel whatever, whatever you, you feel sure whatever you whatever it means to you just i need you to walk through this burnt building <laughs> and I, I need you to look around. I need you to, and that's where you saw the mirror and you caught her. You've set it up perfectly. Um, and she's like looking at this fallen down, burnt out building, but there's a mirror in it where you can see her face. It's, it was a, a fucking <laughs> a good shot. great shot. Yeah. It's, it's a, but she's like, what am I fucking doing? I wonder so if like, confused. I would love to hear what David Lynch said to um the actress from mary where she like gets down on the floor and grabs the bed yeah. at the end and just looks at henry through the through the bed and just starts shaking it after she said like i'm gonna leave i'm going to my parents you better take care of things and she just starts shaking the bed and i can tell you what i interpreted that as how did you see that she's breaking out of prison because of oh. the bars yeah see she there feels, you go she feels imprisoned by the baby and by Henry. I never, I wouldn't even thought I just that. thought that scene was funny because it goes on too long. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> I a lot of these I, scenes go on way too long. I didn't think of any additional meaning other than it was funny. <laughs> I, I can, I can honestly watch it and point to meaning. I don't know if it's 
correct meaning, like like that could mean anything. I mean, it could it could have to do with um, sex because the whole thing has to do with sex. Oh yeah, sex and childbirth, um, and but babies shaking and- shaking the bed like that for sex. Um, yeah, that could that could definitely happen. But but I really did feel like she was in prison because she's looking at him through the bars. Mm. You know. Um, that's a good meaning I didn't even think about like I was very much the same boat where like it's uncomfortable and it's funny because it's uncomfortable uh, that's all I took away from that but that makes sense yeah see I can I can make sense out of senseless shit how do you feel how would you describe the whole eraser making part of it in terms of meaning um that 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 whole sequence this, yeah the sequence um, where where Henry's head in a dream falls through the lady in the radiators play and then falls into a new universe <laughs> where they use heads to make erasers and apparently well, be- all beggars of that, want them. All of that stuff is in his head. Yeah. All of that stuff is his his dreams and his fears and and um nightmares. Is it like he doesn't want to be another copy of other people? I don't know. Wants to be unique and it's a nightmare because he's not? Well, I think the pencils are penises and he is, he or like semen, and mm. he is being used to reproduce. And that's that's one of his fears is is him reproducing, him having sex. He, he definitely has... Um, uh, hang up about sex and a hang up about women. Um, he's uncomfortable around all of the women mm-hmm. in in the movie. Um, so it's it has to do with reproduction. Well, because at least in Mary's family, the, the there's a reason to be afraid of them because they're just at random moments they'll just stop and they'll start shaking and making noises and. Either leave the room. Yeah, or yeah that was Mary. That yeah, was Mary. Yeah. Mary did that. I'm like, oh, is she having a seizure? What's going <laughs> and on? She with just her? needs to be pet by her mom to and stop. Ha- yeah, I have her hair combed. Or I, be- I saw one thing online that like everyone's supposed to have some something like that. Like she had like seizures. Mm. I saw one thing as the dad had bipolar disorder, and. Right. <laughs> Um, I can't remember what the mom had, but yeah, I saw like one of those just reading what people thought of this movie. Well, the mom kind of had like, it wasn't a seizure, but like she just randomly when the (laughs) Brandon was staring, uh, scary. Uh, but the mom just kind of like starts making noises when the, when the little bird, when the handmade tiny chicken starts to bleed. No, that's, that's totally 100% sex. Sex. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Um, or childbirth noises. I don't know. Um, no, it was, it was climax. She climaxed at the table. Oh, that's very nice. Yeah. And then she goes to like, kind of kiss him on his neck a little bit right after that. Yeah. Yeah. Cause she's turned on by him. She, she mm. wants, yeah. She's she eight. knows that he has sex because he impregnated Mary and they had the baby. Um, so she's, she's obviously sexually frustrated by Bill. Um, and she's, Wants to make it with the only other man in the house. I could listen to you lecture about this movie. You're getting so much meaning out of this that I haven't even thought of. 
I think there's like two ways to do it where you're just on the journey, you know, or you're just like through going through the vibes of what's happening. And then it's like <laughs> finding all the meaning through it is yeah, like, yeah, <laughs> I can, I can put meaning to every single thing. And this is where, this is where I think, um, maybe a film degree does help a little bit because right. you're, you, well, it didn't help me apparently. You, you, <laughs> it, it does because you connected with the film, but like this is something that I I latched onto um because of my screenwriting and I wanted to write and I wanted to make these things happen. And um writing screenplays is is kind of a surreal experience because you're creating something out of nothing and it's coming out of your own mind. Um it didn't exist before you put before you put it on paper or you wrote it, and it could be anything you want it to be. And that's kind of how I connect. I'm like, okay, if I was making this, this is the meaning I would give it. And sometimes you have to watch it more than once. Sometimes you have to watch it, um, watch other films like it in order to put meaning. Um, there are some themes that are, um, that are universal and, and, um, but yeah, so, so like I can, I can do that and I'm good at doing that. I've, I've always kind of been good at doing that, but it's my own point of view right. as well. Yeah. It's not like I'm saying you should, that's, that's what it is. And you should believe that's what it is because that's what it is. That's just what I think it is. I mean, you could say that she's having sex, pulling the the suitcase out from under the bed. Perfectly logical. Um, or you could say that she's, it's just a gag. Yeah. Or <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So it could be, it could be anything. And that's kind of, it's kind of why I like films like this. Um, well, like if you, if you watch it to tell you a story, you're going to, you're, you're going to be let down because it's not that. It's it's a story within a story. It's your own story that you're putting your own thoughts, your own fears, your own inadequacies or your own likes and dislikes. You're putting that on somebody in the film as opposed to them putting their stuff onto you. So if you, that's how I look at it. I'm, I think you get more of it, more out of the film if you look at it that way. I'm curious what if you can look at it that way because yeah. I I can't if you yeah if right. you can I I but, but that, then that's what that's why I say I think I think going to film school helps that because you're looking at more stuff kind of like this for me I don't even throughout think your like your your degree I don't think I could go to film school and get anything else from this in the sense that I've never. I never watch movies or read books or anything like that. And I never have, I've never been able to, mm -hmm. I would, I would get so frustrated in school reading a book and they're like, what does this mean? What are they talking about? Like all I see are the words on the page. I do not think of anything else. I do not add my own meaning to it. Oh, so you didn't dive into like symbolism and I, I've, stuff. I've never been good at that. Or there are some people who are skill. There are some people who are not good at it. It's yeah. I'm not, I'm incapable of thinking of things like that. Uh, so that stuff gets really hard for me to like, Oh, well this could mean that I, it's so hard for me to, to even begin to, 
approach a film or a book or or a song songs are i think the worst ones for me to try to all i hear in songs is the whatever lyrics are being sung i i don't hear anything else but that oh really and I'm i very think much that's the same that's I've just been, how i i've been, I've singing, I've been singing christmas songs for the the chorus and i've been changing the words as i go along. <laughs> <laughs> everyone listens they hear it they know what you're saying <laughs> yeah normally i'm with you um and it really makes me frustrated sometimes when i come that's why i was saying earlier that this breaks those rules for me and uh-huh. i don't know why um i think it's just because i like the movie but um like the one that comes to mind immediately is the green knight recently um yeah i didn't I, see that i hated that movie i still have to watch it i fell asleep and i hated it there's so much metaphor and meaning or whatever you can definitely overdo it oh yeah 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 um and I think the fun thing about David Lynch is like you don't know what's a metaphor and what's a joke. And I like that part where it's like yeah. there it's overdone, but it's overdone in a way where like you can pick and choose if you want what to, what like talks to you and what doesn't. Yeah, it, I it could be either in his like intent in the way that it's made. And I think that's fun. But something like The Green Knight, where like I I walked away from thinking it was like the worst movie I'd seen that year, and then like Tiffany walked away and she was like telling me about what everything meant, and I was like. I did. I was sleepy. It was a bad movie. I didn't like any of this. I didn't understand any of this. Because, I, I feel the same frustration. Smart. Yeah. <laughs> my my frustration also extends in that I know full well I could not watch this a second or third time and get anything additional from it. You don't I think that you would like not I, a single thing? You think I, I wouldn't? I wouldn't like watch it and be like, oh. This is a symbol for his innocence. I yeah, it's, I, <laughs> that's I, the thing. Yeah, it's I, because I your brain doesn't I don't work think that about way, and things that's like fine. that. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. I just don't. So I don't like. I didn't finish this movie feeling dumb, but I finished this movie. I was no. like, "This isn't how my brain works. Yeah, this movie yeah. doesn't click with my brain." You definitely yeah. should not feel dumb for not right. getting anything from this movie. Yeah, and so like, <laughs> yeah, I try to focus on the things that I do know about, is, like how it's shot and and the acting and, yeah. and those things. It I is didn't quite enjoy. possible that you weren't supposed to get anything out of this movie, right? And and, like, and, and you're idea. probably the smartest person in the room right now. I'm watching this. I'm like, man, yeah. David Lynch cucked us all. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> and he's like, ah, oh, he got it. <laughs> well, I mean, just like you, Brandon, like I, maybe it's true that like the idea that anyone gets anything out of this is the funniest thing to David Lynch is like someone watches this movie and thinks that, oh, it means this and means that. And he's just like, you know, that's the that's joke. why he doesn't yeah. divulge. Right. I think that's awesome. And that's so cool. Yeah. But then it also doesn't work when like something like the Lost Highway or something where it's like it, it takes forever to say something. And then when it says anything, it's not anything. And I don't know. It's it's tough to like for me to decide, OK, that worked. And I like to think about the symbolism. And I think it is like I, I don't like a movie because of the symbolism I catch along the way I start to think about symbolism for a movie that I like so like Mm. I would never like watch this movie and if I didn't like it I would be like trying to dive into it or like even thinking back to it and getting meaning out of it I think it's like the green knight you didn't like it so you didn't want to figure anything out exactly yeah Yeah. but it's also like if I'm not liking it along the way I'm not gonna my brain's not gonna bother to make those connections yeah in in that same same sense yeah um, cause if I, I, I think cause how I am like that, Jose, it takes a lot more effort to do that. Right. And I have to really want to do that, to be able to do that. If you don't want to put in the effort, you, it's not going to connect the dots. Yeah. 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 That's yeah. why I'm always afraid of like, not afraid cause we've been doing this podcast for 124 episodes, but 
um, my opinions always feel like I liked this because it made me feel good. You know, like that's always like the bottom tier of my opinions yeah. where it's like, that's that. honestly the reason why I don't ever write anything down about what I think about a movie because it feels like my rudimentary thoughts are this happened and this happened and this happened. Oh, That's- I always just write. I like, I like this mm-hmm. or, or if I see something like my first line is I felt like the beginning of the film is David Lynch's real for getting the dune job. <laughs> <laughs> that was, that was the thought that came in my head. And I didn't want to, I didn't want to miss that because if I wouldn't have wrote that down, then I wouldn't have said it now right. for the podcast. That's how my stupid brain works um, because I have so much stuff going in and out of my brain every single fucking day that you got to put it to paper. I wouldn't, if, if I would have watched this on Saturday morning, it would, it would be gone now. I wouldn't, I wouldn't have these things if I didn't write them down. Yeah. 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 I've noticed that, I lately just have no memories of films after a couple of weeks of having seen them, except for like big moments in them. Um, yeah, that's great. So you get to watch them again. Right. <clears throat> like there are a lot of times where I'll be just online, like on the movie subreddit or something, and I'll see a movie that we had watched. And I'm like, oh, I don't remember what my opinion of this movie yeah. is because I already <laughs> forgot about it. Um, and so, uh, yeah, I do have the privilege of... um movie alzheimer's right but then i'll watch it like oh wait i know exactly how i feel about this movie (laughs) within like maybe an hour of it um i don't know i I feel like i wouldn't get anything i don't think i would add anything additional to a conversation if i wrote notes about it Mm. i think that's just how my my own thought process works yeah because at least for me, I have the same as Brandon where it's like, I'll have a thought. And if I don't write it down, I won't remember it for the podcast. But then yeah. once I write it down, I don't have to reference it. I'll remember it because I wrote it down. Yeah, I remember some stuff. Yeah. But but there's, I mean. <clears throat> but um, the thing about David Lynch movies that are cool are the moments that really like build the movie for me. Like I'm saying, there's like those moments like in, like in uh, Mulholland Drive or something. Or Blue Velvet Baby Wants Some Fuck is like my favorite line from that movie. <laughs> um, and uh, at this movie, like, there's a lot of great scenes. Like, I think the the dinner scene is really funny. Um, but the baby is what stands out to me as as what I'm always... Well, oh, that and the lady in the radio. There's so many great things, I think. The baby, I... That first time that I saw the baby, I was like in love with the practical effects. Yes. And I was in love with his eyes. Yes. I just, the, the rolling of the eyes and the <laughs> licking of the, well, eye, because you can't see the other side. But um, it like brought it to life more than if it was just shaking or moving its mouth or something. The yeah. fucking eye. The, the baby is what makes me think this whole movie is just like a joke. It's like it's, so- it's like my own personal perception of that baby is that there's no way you made that for the set and then you're like this is the funniest fucking thing I've ever seen. <laughs> yeah. And to be able to take yourself seriously while making this movie with that fucking Voldemort baby. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It, it, it adds a level of humor to me to the whole movie just anytime it cuts to the baby. <laughs> 
or when the baby's fucking laughing at him. Yeah, I am oh, I losing my. <laughs> I loved it. I'm like, why is the oh the baby's okay? It's crying <laughs> is funny. It's yeah, it's laugh is funny. It's crying got fucking annoying it when yeah. it went on too long. Yeah, I was like, I oh, shut that fucking kid up. The sound of the radiator <laughs> was driving me fucking insane. <laughs> yeah. And I, I know that's on purpose. I, totally. Or at least it, yeah. it, it yes. feels like the, it's on purpose. The hiss? Yeah. The hissing of the radiator, I was like, it's so fucking loud in every scene. But I think, you know, I'm meant to be in this headspace where I'm getting frustrated at the sound of, of, of being this radiator. in this room, yeah. I think, yeah. And so that really worked for me. I think the sound is is also a really big positive for me. Yeah, because it, it ranged from like really annoying to really, really like uh meaning not meaningful, but like effective. I yeah. Think. Yeah. So the radiator. Yes. The lady in it. Tell us the what radiator, it means. Brandon. What is the it radiator mean? leads it means. to the lady in the radiator? Yes. With the radiator is is uh symbolic of an orgasm. I uh, saw a different thing online. S- yeah, it's like spewing. It's it's hissing and it's spewing and it's and it gets hot. Um, so that's that's what. And there was stuff all around the bottom of it, like pine needles or whatever those things yeah. were. Yeah. Um, which looked like dried up little, the little sperms mm-hmm. that that he has that are grow bigger sperms. So that's why I equated it with an orgasm because there's dead sperms see below it everywhere i saw it as a womb and it leads to the lady in the uh the lady in the radiator um who has balls on her face <laughs> i don't quite understand what the makeup means for that lady i think she just looks funny <laughs> she, the balls on her face is interesting i would never would have thought about that yeah she has i didn't ba- think she balls totally, i thought tumors she totally yeah. has balls on her face two balls on her they're not round they're they, flat-ish uh yeah they're so like i wouldn't think like balls because they're not that round and but, they're they're wrinkly and they're i they're balls he wants like balls in his face or near his face. No, he wants to put his balls in her face, but he has a hang up with sex because this is his dream world where he's processing all of his fears and anxieties. Well, before I ask you to explain something else, and that's why she's killing the semen because she wants he wants his balls to not produce semen. Because he wants his balls to. He doesn't want to impregnate anybody. Yeah, but but he wants so, to put his balls on her face. So I saw my first thought was um, that the radiator. So when he steps in the puddle, I saw the sock as his sperm going into the vagina, and that sperm is now um, ready to make a baby. So the lady in the radiator is his baby. Is the womb. So he puts the sock on the radiator, and that's what impregnates the radiator. <laughs> Because it's a wet sperm, <laughs> and the lady in the radiator is a uh, is a uh, yeah his baby. Why does the baby have balls on his face? Her face. <laughs> What's the thing you saw online? Jose? The thing I saw online is that anytime he stare is staring at the radiator, he's contemplating suicide, and that, that feels- the lady that the lady is like his do it <laughs> is his like expectation of. 
the afterlife and what he wants to be with. And so, and that's why she sings the heaven song. Right. And so like he's seeing, he's seeing her was, was having sex with a woman would be his, his being comfortable enough to have sex with a woman would be heavenly. I thought it was like, I, I thought of it as that specific woman Mm. and how she's like, the ideal balls on her face women for him. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, but <clears throat> I don't know. I, I still don't quite understand if it was that I don't understand the connection of like the pine needles at the bottom, like yeah. encompassing the, well, the at least when, when, in and his... then there was something on top of his dresser as well, which oh, I it's like a weird un- bush or understood something. Yeah. What that, well, that was on his nightstand. Right. The so. weird tree with the weird that tree in, thing yeah, that was, shows up on the stage later. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I, when he goes back into the lady in the radiator after he's he has sex with uh, the next door beautiful neighbor. girl next door. Yeah, um, he's like watching her perform, and then there's like a boyoing sound where his head pops off. Uh huh. And then, yeah. like, he gets a boner in his neck or something. <laughs> he has like the little baby in his neck or whatever. Yeah, the baby, the baby takes coming the place. Out. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, I I always view that as kind of like a boner or something. I don't know. Where he's watching her and he's getting really turned on. I don't mm-hmm. know. <laughs> and that made his head pop off. I guess. <laughs> so, I, I kind of I see that one. Yeah. I like that one. <laughs> um. Yeah. Possibly. And then, like, once you do that, that's when the baby appears. Cause that's the fear, you know, you're scared of the baby, but you really want to have sex, but because you have sex, you got the baby. There can be a baby and that's always the downside of sex. So I believe this movie is, um, making a statement about being uh, pro abortion. I think the pure <clears throat> hatred this movie has for children or the idea of children. I, I could see that. Well, I don't. I don't know. You because, want to cut them because apart because the, you have the, the kid who successfully gets the eraser head. That's true. He he comes out on top. Yeah, he wins. <laughs> <laughs> so I don't think but, I don't know but, if I see that. But that's that's in a dream. But because of that child, he becomes what he doesn't want to become. A pencil. A pencil. Exactly. The child is is what brings him where he doesn't want to be. I I think it also could just as much speak to the unreadiness of parents and how that will affect a child, you know, the unreadiness of parents or the unreadiness of parents to be forced to care for, um, a child that um, has very severe special needs. That too. Um, I think, I think it's a, I think it's a very valid statement, um, for abortion. I saw a lot. I thought, like in the sense of like they're in this like desolate society that isn't equipped to support him at all. And this weird snake child. Yeah. Um, Cause I, I thought what, what I had would thought about was him just being alone for the entire like beginning sequence. Like there's nobody else. Um, because the very first scene is like the conception of the baby, right? Yeah. Like that's and meant to like be when, is... when he's having sex with Mary. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then he's all alone. And I think that for me, that was a lot of 
he now is has this child to take care of that he doesn't know yet, but there's just no support at all in this in this world to to manage this child that now exists. So I, I see what you're saying, Brandon, about how maybe not like everybody's meant to be a parent or maybe there's reasons not to have a child like it's you know has some some life altering disease like that yeah yeah and mary is already she's not ready for anything outside no, nobody of her in home. that family yeah. is prepared <laughs> yeah. to raise a being <laughs> yeah but the baby the the mother wanted to have a baby with uh, henry though mm-hmm. she started getting real close to him. She started getting all up in his business. Yeah. And I, I always thought that was funny how, how the, <laughs> she's doing that right in front of Mary. And then Mary just pulls her away. He's like, stop. That's kind of it. There's like no, <laughs> there's no like <laughs> acknowledgement of what was happening. <laughs> just stuff like that is all over where no yeah. one really understands the weirdness that's happening. Yeah. But I think that's all. I, I, I think most of this is in, his head. Yeah. Um, like this is how he sees the world. It's not actually what the world is. Um, so he sees Mary as this, he sees the mom as this, he sees Bill as this. Um, I see the grandma in the kitchen is dead. She's not alive when we see her. No. Yeah. <laughs> I don't yeah. think she's alive at all. <laughs> but she's the, the just, cigarette she's gets shorter, doesn't it? Yeah. yeah, but it doesn't get smoked. It just burns. It just burns down all the way to the butt. Hmm. She's still in the same I, I position. I remembered her like. She moves, uh, but only when the mom moves yeah, her arms yeah, to toss the salad. To toss the salad. <laughs> which, which the salad, the loudest dressing noise, it's like glug, 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 glug. She spills it over. That always makes me uncomfortable for some reason, just the sound of the salad dressing. But I know I can see her being dead. I For yeah. some reason, I remember her like actually taking like a little, a little huff, a little puff. I don't remember her puffing on the cereal. You could be right, though. You're probably right. Maybe. Maybe I'm wrong. I feel like I would have seen it because I remember I saw the steam from the chicken, not chicken, off the, the food. The man-made tiny And thinking, chickens. I was like, huh, I don't know if I've ever seen steam like come off food. On It looked different how it was filmed. Uh-huh. I don't know what about it caught my eye. Probably just really cold in the room. So you mentioned the man-made chickens. Yeah. The man-made chickens are the siblings of the baby that made it. They're actually eating man-made food. So Mary had like five, six children? Yeah. She had sex tuplets. Wow. Or what's five? Uh, pentuplets. Pentuplets? Pentuplets. I don't know. But yeah. they didn't. The baby doesn't look like a chicken, though. It had chicken properties. It had a head. Yeah, I guess if you. Do. <laughs> <laughs> what the chickens that were being cooked didn't have a head. That's true. But whenever we cut open, oh, I need to look at the cut open then to see if it has like a wing or whatever for arms. Yeah, it just it, I think it just yeah lays it open. It, this movie made me really uncomfortable with like the look of a spread 
chicken's legs that it very much is just open, you know? I mean, I've never like stuck my hand in a chicken like that before, but with the blood coming out of it. You haven't you haven't dressed a chicken? I haven't dressed a chicken, no, not personally. I mean, I've stuck my hand in a cow's vagina, but I've never put my hand in a in a chicken. <laughs> I've put my hand I put my hand in four chickens today. Yeah. <laughs> 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 but it made me uncomfortable. It made me really uncomfortable. I didn't really, really think about it. Well, I mean, the blood coming out of it, that's pretty spooky, right? Out of the chickens or the the baby? The baby. The chickens. The chickens is where I was most uncomfortable. <laughs> it was like the slow gushing of it. And I think the sound effects are really weird, too. I thought... I thought yeah, that chicken needed some gravy. <laughs> That's exactly what I thought. <laughs> That's good. <laughs> what I think what I think I I agree about how it's all in his head is the way he acts in that scene, the way it's acted in that he looks like he's the only one who's seeing the chicken like that. Yeah. And everybody else is just deadpan. No Except for Bill. Except He's for very Bill. Happy. Yeah. 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 Bill has the opposite reaction. So I could see the whole, at least that whole dinner scene being in his head. So, so yeah. Yeah. Um, every, every single character besides him um, is his interpretation of that person. So Mary is needy and whiny and seizure Yeah. And very Just uncomfortable to sleep next to. Because he's not comfortable with women. The mom is a horn dog. An OG MILF. Right? <laughs> the the dad is just strange and oversharing and that's the way he sees all these people. He never sees the grandmother. So she's she's dead. Yeah, literally. She, she doesn't have life because he never saw her. Okay. Um, the girl across the hall is he's he lusts for her, and that's why she's kind of a whore. Um, yeah. So so I I believe that all of these people are are just in his head. Like this is just his interpretation of the actual world, but it's not the real world, right? And that's why the dreams come in um, so much of the the girl in the radiator. Um, him lusting for the woman across the hall. He probably so you don't think he actually slept with the girl across the hall, right? No, I think that I was. Don't either. I think that was a dream, and it made me think of Joker. It yeah, made me think yeah. of Joker <laughs> and his relationship with that with his neighbor. Um, yeah. Same. I, I thought the same thing. Except this one didn't have like a like a very obvious. Ooh, here's what actually happened. Yeah. Sort of montage. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I think yeah. that would ruin this film. Like, yeah, oh, here's yeah. the real world. He would never. And, he would never. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but at no, least but in Joker, watching this, I was like, this is a better version of that same idea that the Joker did. Is, yeah. is what I thought. But in Joker, yeah. he doesn't have a, like a hot tub in his bed that they fall into. True, or like whatever. <laughs> yeah, it's a really fun uh, look. Yeah. Okay. That's that. That is a good example of using surrealism the wrong fucking way. The hot tub in their bed. The hot tub in the bed. It's like why is happening? It's well, there's, like, there's no, a lot of puddles. No, no, it's not. It's it's it it's overdoing like. The sex thing. 
because right. it's the sp- sploosh. Yeah. Well, yeah, right? there are a lot of puddles in the movie, though. Yeah. Which I, I, I mean, I, they're they're just going into a puddle like his foot went into a they're puddle. His, like the, they're his puddles that yeah, he's made. Yeah, his little puddles. I mean, that's him. That's him. You know, making a puddle in his bed while he's sleeping. Yeah. Yeah. He has a lot of wet dreams, I believe. So that's just too. That's on the nose. why he's pulling. Like when Mary's sleeping next to him, they never have sex. But she's sleeping he's next to him, and he's the, just pulling yeah. out the semen-looking things, right? Because he has had a wet dream, and he's trying to right. clean it up while she's asleep. Yeah, huh? That's a. I didn't. Th- I, I didn't even think to think about that. And scene. he starts throwing it up against the wall. Right? Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Dude, it's the, like, heard, it's like it's like getting it and going like this, right? Yeah. It's going to splatter on the wall. Her, so it's, yeah. Her jaw clenching noises or whatever that oh, was. Oh, the teeth oh, grinding. Fuck, that oh. bothers me so much. Oh, <laughs> I can't stand it. I used to do that my entire childhood. I would, that's how I would take out my frustration was on my teeth. Uh, she, I mean, she's really frustrated. We know that. Yeah, but that she's sexually sound, frustrated. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. That sound is so ugh. Yeah, it's a nasty sound. Yeah, I don't it's like it. Even nastier whenever you're doing it and it's in your own head. <laughs> uh, but you thought that that was too too heavy handed. I thought it was. Yeah, I thought it was a little bit. Yeah, yeah. I liked I liked their sex scene and the baby crying. Yeah, yeah. And him like trying to keep her focused on him and not a baby. Because that's not what he wanted. He doesn't want a baby. He wants just to have sex with a yeah. beautiful woman. Yeah. That's why that's why when he pops his head off with the lady in the radiator, it's revealed to have a baby. Yeah. It's like I don't want the baby. I want it to pop the head off, but I don't want the baby. But sometimes you can't well, I mean you can very easily have one without the other. But um very easily. Yeah. Uh I think it, it's interesting because he was raising his first kid through this movie he had his first kid and was raising his first kid so i wonder if like if you were his daughter i think his daughter um viewing this movie and knowing this is maybe what your dad was thinking about raising you well i saw a thing that <laughs> i don't know that more so to do with like deformities because i think his his kid was born with a deformity mm. and I, I saw a couple things about yeah like that whole idea of he wants to cut her What's in like, half. Yes, <laughs> like the there's like the societal expectation that you raise your child right, but then what if your you're, child you're ostracized? Is, yeah. You're kind of cast aside once your child has some disability. Now that baby, like, there's something about people praise you as a parent because the child is cute and 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 there's a. Right, there's like those thousands of years of of instinct that you want to care for a cute baby, and how, and then you have you have a child that's born with some deformity. It's a stigma, right? Yeah, you're. So I, I could see that the how that might have influenced this movie. Yeah, yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Mm-hmm. It makes a lot of sense. See, you do get a lot of meaning out of a racer. But I'm right? only in this moment. <laughs> yeah, I yeah. did not think about any of this while we were while I was watching. <laughs> well, I mean, if if you know some backstory, and if you you know if that's if that's where David Lynch was going, 
right. and what he was living through um, during that time, um, you can you can point at certain parts of the film and saying, ah, this is this is what he how he's interpreting his inner turmoil of going through these things, and this is how he's making art out of it. You said this was a five year production. Yeah, it took him five years to make it. Man, yeah, that's a lot. There's there's a really good line in like when he's writing about how it was death to him. Uh, where they would film one scene of of Henry leaving or or exiting a door, and it would be eight months until they film the shot where he like comes on the other side of the door, like that sort of thing. Where it's like a nightmare. Where you're like, this shot will be I, so I long. Even know how to fucking manage that. Yeah, I saw that he was sleeping be... in that room for part of the production. Yeah, that wouldn't surprise me. Because he was one of the first, AFI was really young at that time, and he was one of the first students to get that budget, like as uh-huh. a student that um, was like, hey, you're here, you make a movie while you're at AFI, and we're going to give you this budget to make this movie, and it was taking so long to make it um, that I think that's that's also like something on your shoulders too, that you're representing this, this college as well, but... Um, yeah, he had a lot of family help. Like, he, like his family are acted, but um, I th- it's not just that. I know uh, Sissy Spacek is in the special things. I wonder if I think they knew each other. She, that. I think I saw that she like helped pay for it or helped. Oh, um, yeah, I saw that he delivered newspapers during this to help pay for. Yeah, that's it. right. Yeah, mm-hmm. well, you you do what you need to. I think it's definitely a lot harder now because of the costs of stuff to do a movie like that and have it turn out to be decent. Mm -hmm. At least the good thing now is like if you had the camera, well, you'd probably have to rent the camera if you don't own it, which would be a constant cost. But I think he was doing those newspaper runs because he needed to pay for the film. Yeah. Because like they couldn't do any, any takes before he had the film and, um, I think I, I think nowadays there are there are parts of it that are le- more expensive and parts of it that are uh, less expensive. Um, if you want to just grab a phone and make a movie like a feature film over some time, you could do that. But y- you could, but would it be Tangerine a good film? Yeah, it could. I mean, you could make a Taylor Swift music video with it. As long as you have fifty thousand dollars of equipment around, yeah, well, yeah, fifty thousand dollars. Yeah, right? I heard you say fifty thousand dollars in lighting. That, yep. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, I, I, I think, I think we're blessed that it is a bit easier. But, um, I think it's easier, and because it's easier, there's an oversaturation of, I, of yeah, that's good films point. to easier, watch now. I think it's easier to make shorts short films because you don't have the cost of film. You don't have, you know, most people that are making shorts are in, in some kind of uh, film acting. Um, but a feature length takes so much time and energy. And if you're on a budget, friends willing to do the work for free. See, it's really easy if you have friends who are willing to do it for free and with no food. Then it's really cheap. Then it is really, <laughs> yeah. then it is really cheap. But but those friends get tired after yeah. a little while of donating their time and their energy, and their 
unfilled bellies to your project that you are going to get credit for. And it becomes this monster. Um, yeah. I think, I think that aspect of it's really hard. Part of hard to manage. like that story of kind of that triumph where he did, he had to work through it. He made the money to keep making the movie and, um, that doesn't always work out. I think very, very, very often it does not. But um, this is a, a success story of like one out of hundreds of people who failed. Yeah, it's the, it's the thousands, exception. Thousands, thousands, yeah. not the rule. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that's what that's. I think that's what you connect with because it it kind of gives it gives hope. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That oh shit, you know, I could I could make something and I could I could do and I could break in and I can I can get something done. But in yeah. reality, it's yeah. The reality a is the thousand hard. to one. Yeah. Where you could do this, you could do exactly what he did, make a movie for five, maybe six years, have to slave away to like make the money to pay for meals, to pay for the rentals for the equipment, and then you release Hopefully your feature. Hopefully have a friend that can give you a loan of half a million dollars. Yeah. <laughs> and then you release it and nobody sees it, and you're just stuck with a five-year-long... like And cl- any debt you incurred. Link on Vimeo that... No one watches. Yeah. yeah. And in the debt, like, incurred. like, um, the, like reservoir dogs mm-hmm. was paid for by credit cards. Quentin Tarantino yeah. maxed his credit cards to, to do it. And if he, it wasn't successful, then you got to pay then those credit cards. Right? You yeah. got to <laughs> figure out how you're going to pay those credit cards back. And also when you make movies like this, you burn bridges with people that you love. <laughs> it's something that happens where it's very tough to make a movie. That's not yeah, making yeah. people upset at yeah. you over time. Um, that's you know, why over five years. I yeah. mean, that's 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 a long time. To, and and if it was a regular movie shot over five years like this, you would have shit not matching up. Yeah. You would see the inconsistencies inconsistencies in it. Whereas if it's a surreal film, it's just part of the makeup of the film. Yeah. So that's kind of a smart decision. When you're doing something like this, in terms of like the budget and and the number of people. You have to do something like this in terms of the yeah. type of movie where, yeah. um, and I think that's the thing where a lot of people fall short is when they want to make their first feature or they want to make their first short that's like really good, they try to make this script that's like more conventional, yeah, and unrealistic for what you can do. Unrealistic for what you can do, yeah. yeah. Right. I think what what sometimes also happens is you know that you're going to have to commit so much of your time, right? Let's say like five years, right? You kind of, I think a lot of people get stuck like in this block that they need this first movie to be the best one that they will ever make. When, when with anything, not just film, the first one is never going to be the best one, right? Our first film was the best film that everyone got, <laughs> got made. Uh, Me Bucatini? Me Bucatini. Yeah. <laughs> I've seen Me, Bu- Me Bucatini. That's our, that's the, I don't think it's the best. That was the pinnacle of, of our filmmaking. The rest is just a downhill. fucking downhill slope. Yeah. <laughs> but that's okay. <laughs> right, so you, you could get it you get in this mental block of this first one needs to be the best one that that i'm ever gonna make because this is all of my marbles in it right and i think a lot of the times you'll you'll just get stuck just trying to get perfection 
when it's impossible. Mm. And, and so, yeah, I think, and then you end up burning, like you said, you end up burning bridges because you have a specific vision for something that's just not obtainable when you don't have a bigger budget that movies have nowadays. Yeah. Right. I think a lot of times you're un willingness to compromise your vision ends up being part of your downfall too yeah and the times you hear about it being successful are just the few times that it ends up being successful so that's always the tough part that's always tough but that's why you you take the example of the one person that won the lottery and you go buy a few scratchers yep Oh, that's why. So when you get an example of somebody who wins the lottery, <laughs> then you go buy a few lottery tickets. <laughs> that's when you go get the, when you uh, when you see someone win t- win twenty bucks on their little square box that they rubbed off with the. I am with so the, unlucky that I do not do quarter, any of that. Then you I go can't. get some scratchers. I can't. I just can't. Was that a better example? Thank you. <laughs> I was gonna say lottery tickets, but scratchers are more fun to say. Do you yeah. not scratch off your lottery ticket? I don't buy lottery tickets. Are you crazy? You I don't even I have would, to. You don't even have not, to scratch off your scratchers. I'm not really lucky. It's just like throwing. I I would just take <laughs> take my fucking away. money and just go think about this. Throw Brandon. it out on out in front of the fucking <laughs> gas station I'm buying the shit from and say <coughs> fuck it and walk away. You saying you're unlucky means that. You're unlucky because uh, if you were buying tickets, you'd be winning. But your luck right now is because you're not buying tickets. So your bad luck is that if you did buy a ticket, you would be winning the lottery. So go out and win the lottery. Go buy tickets. Go buy 100 tickets. If 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 I won the lottery of $1.5 billion, this is all we would do like every day. It's just dinner it's with just, a movie. Just do a dinner if with I won the, the lottery, podcast we're all going to Disneyland. <laughs> yes. yes. Oh, we're all going to Disneyland together. Can we not, stay at the Disneyland not hotel? Not before we do the motherfucking podcast, though. <laughs> yeah. We, we got to do the podcast. We'll fucking from... record the podcast at Disneyland. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> we'll be Disney influencers now. Oh, man. <laughs> Disney movie influencers. Yeah. Welcome with welcome to Disney with a movie. <laughs> <laughs> That's not bad where we're always just walking around the parks and talking about a movie. You talking can't about hear a movie us. and talking about a Disney movie and, and going to where that character is in the park and like getting all personal with him. And we'll talk really loud, like in a ride. Like we'll go to Pirates of the Caribbean yeah, and while we're talking. While we're, while we're filming with our yeah. GoPro. Their uh, flash yeah. on. Yeah. You say we're going to get really personal with the with the Disney characters. <laughs> yeah. We'll go up to Buzz Lightyear and start talking to him. Come here, Gaston. Let me show you a good time. <laughs> Well, are there any last thoughts before we move on to quotes? Um, I think I've said, yeah, I, I like rattled all of this off off of my, there you go. Uh, I put, I knew it. Big eraser mines brains for cheap pencil products. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, I want to stress that the in heaven song is a bop. I wrote that down. It's a bop. It's a bop. It's a good song. I would put it on my Spotify. Did you bop it? I don't have those anymore. <laughs> you don't have a bop it? I don't anymore. I have one. Song. Do you really? I love those. I would play with them all day. 
Yeah. I would bop it all day. I love my bop it. I would be bopping it all day. I used to I used to have toys at the record store that we could play with whenever it was slow. They <laughs> <laughs> kept people from from doing bad stuff. I like the shot of the uh, eraser bits being wiped off and then it was like the particles in the air. Oh, oh yeah. I thought yeah, that, yeah, was that was so cool. cool. That's great. Yeah. yeah. And that's the, that was my that's, favorite shot in the movie. That's the that's the picture we always see is him with yeah. the bits flying mm-hmm. around. Yeah. The poster for it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. No, that's such a good shot. Um, the baby never eats after Mary leaves. I don't even know if it eats while she's there. Does yeah, he? Just she's spitting it, it all up. He's just spitting <laughs> yeah. it all up. Well, I mean, it can't really. It's not real, right. But. He doesn't know how to take care of it. Um, yeah. Yeah. That he doesn't know anything. I also, I also wrote down uh, with the baby. That, um, where did I write it? It was funny when I wrote it. Um, why, uh, oh, why isn't Mary breastfeeding the baby? And then I put, oh, that's right. Because if she was breastfeeding the baby, it would be a John Waters movie. I mean, there's a lot of breastfeeding um, imagery in Blue Velvet, yeah. so I think that could be something that he would bring in this one. I, uh, I think it would be too much for this movie. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. But but it would definitely be hilarious to see that baby latching onto a tree. <laughs> <laughs> it's like an extreme close up. I can see him with doing that little, with its little koi <laughs> fish whiskers <laughs> sticking <Yeah>. out. <laughs> yeah, it's like get some really gross sloppy sounds in there. It'd be too much for this movie. <laughs> That's really good. Now you just got to do that for 30 minutes straight. <laughs> I'll work for free on your next uh, movie there. Um, yeah, okay. I'm ready to move on to quotes. Yeah. Uh, my quote is a very short one. It's from Henry. He puts the thermometer in and he takes it out. <laughs> and he looks at it. And it looks fine. And he looks at the baby and then he turns away. <laughs> then he turns back and the baby is dying. <laughs> <laughs> and Henry just says, oh, you are sick. Because <laughs> I started busting up laughing. It's one of the funniest moments in a David Lynch movie. And it's just, it's the sound that when he sees the baby, it's like. There's a like sound effect. Yeah. yeah. It's like scary, but the baby looks so funny. His mouth is like full of like. He's got like warts all over. and shit. Like, he should have killed the baby then. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I think it was already dead. Yeah. Oh, that's <laughs> true. It's rotten. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I love that that line. The way he delivers it is so deadpan. Oh, you, you are, are sick. sick. <laughs> <laughs> what about yours, Brandon? Uh, go ahead, Jose. Jose. Are you uh, ready? Yeah, I'm ready. Yeah. Uh, my quote is from when they're all having um, dinner together and Bill or Mr. X says, <laughs> this dinner is getting mighty cold. <laughs> yeah, he was all about he was all about dinner. He was hungry. He, he um, wanted he to cut that, him up. He like wanted to see that chicken leak. I think Bill. I think Bill had some of the best lines in the movie. Yeah, yeah. Uh, he was he was definitely the funniest. So, mine's Bill one too. 
Printing is your business, huh? Plumbing is mine. 30 years. <laughs> I've seen this neighborhood change from pasture to hellhole to the hellhole it is now. I put every damn pipe in this neighborhood. And people think pipes grow in their homes, but they sure the hell they sure as hell don't. Look at my knees. Look at my knees. <laughs> and then the mom just like pulls him away. <laughs> Bill. <laughs> pulls him into the kitchen. Uh yeah. Bill. Bill. He's yeah. great. Bill's Bill's a star. And then he has that line about like his numb yeah. arm that he got working. Well, that's in. why he couldn't carve the chicken. Yeah. There's one thing we didn't talk about that I have no idea what the fuck it means. The little worm thing that he gets in the his mailbox. And then it has a sequence of the worm like crawling up and then it screams. Oh, yeah. I don't know. I forgot about that. <laughs> I was like, what the fuck is <laughs> I forgot about that. Where it just. Ah! Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, it climbs up the wall, right? And it's climbing into holes so. and stuff. In, I, I, into holes and out of holes. And... I fell asleep at that part. I remember that. Yeah. <laughs> I, I don't know what that means in this movie. I don't if know, it means Brand, anything. <laughs> if you don't have an answer, Brandon, I definitely don't. I uh, I I don't. I don't. I don't. It's his penis. Just opening the it's, opening it's the front. It's his worm going in and out of holes. That's probably a good now there you go. Yeah. There we go. We got, got it. your answer. And then when it screams, you go inside of it. <laughs> hey, we had a worm in Doom. Yeah. We Yeah. We had a paper mache tunnel. There's a couple paper mache, mache tunnels in this mm-hmm. too. Yeah. You took a lot. You took a, you learned a lot from this film. And what's funny is some of this, I don't remember like, um, subconsciously. It was very subconscious. Like yeah. even him going into the water, like falling into the water at the end. That's what his head does in this. Uh, and I didn't even think about even that. the worm is, is clay claymation. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. And the rats are clay and the rats and, um, the, even the blood coming out of the the chicken and also the blood leaking onto the uh the stage and where he falls into. I didn't even think about that. But I watched back, I'm like, wow, I took way more from this than I thought I did, which is so cool. And I I, think I love that video. I, I love that so video. Fun. Yeah, thank it, you. it's it's a great video. And like we put so much work into that video. It took so long. It turned out so good. It it has a lot of of really good effects in it. Yeah. yeah, from the the rat room is so fun to watch. You still have it? No, I don't. It? it got destroyed. Yeah. How sad. I know. I have the rats, but not the rat room. Are they all hard now? Uh, no, they're still some. They're still kind of soft. Yeah. Yeah. I never baked them in or anything. So. Huh. Yeah. Hmm. Well, ready for my meme review? Yeah. Uh, I give this movie. Seven tit smoochin' doggies. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if that's the amount. I couldn't count. Oh, oh the seven, dogs. Seven the sounds right. Yeah. Yeah. But it, I thought that was so funny because the noises are just, I assume David Lynch in a microphone going. Because <laughs> 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 they're kissing. They're kisses. That's all. I heard it. Yeah. It's all it is is smooches. Yeah. <laughs> yeah smooches. Smooching some titties. Yeah. What was it? I'll give this movie one out of two wet socks. <laughs> not wet anymore after the radiator nope <laughs> or it impregnates the radiator who knows yes maybe maybe the bits that were under the radiator were socks that he left on the radiator too long oh ah, up. that's why he only has two pairs one pair of socks 
Yeah. Two songs. Um, I give this movie two squished spermatozoa by the lady in the radiator with two balls on her face <laughs> out of two. <laughs> <laughs> Very well described. <laughs> Why don't you give us your real review, Brandon? Um, I give this a seven out of ten. I'm not. Uh, I, I I put the more you think, the more you think about the movie and kind of process it, the more you get from it. So, um, watching this movie and just judging it like right off the bat, I mean, you you can you can do that, but if you if you think about it and think about. Um, different ways of looking at it. I think it's a very good movie for doing that too. Um, a lot, a lot better than most um, in this same type of genre. Um, because I really do believe that David Lynch doesn't put, I think he has an overarching theme, like maybe his, his daughter being born um, is the theme that he's going for. Um, but, but different scenes and what's happening in those can be interpreted in different ways. So I think that's a, it's a good movie for that. Um, but yeah, you can definitely watch it and think, what the fuck is this? <laughs> um, which is perfectly okay too. Um, there, there are some parts where I was like, all right, come on, let's get on with it. Just like, uh, Jose said. And I was like, oh my God, that, someone shut that baby up and um yeah there were parts where i, I definitely felt it slow down and i definitely I, I wanted it to move on and go to something else oh yeah that's my that's my honest opinion great jose i'll give this a five out of ten <laughs> yeah um this movie is just it's not for me i don't like surrealist type movies wait a minute you like this movie more than you liked welcome to whoop whoop Marginally, after our conversation, I was going to give it a four out of ten. Okay, <laughs> our conversation boosted it up. <laughs> I walked in thinking I was going to give it four out of ten, but my co- our conversation uh, made me appreciate it a little bit more. But still, now you'd recommend it to everybody. Uh, no, I'd recommend it to like people you don't like. Maybe not people I don't like. <laughs> people whose like film opinions would annoy me. I'd be like, oh, I think you should watch this. Yeah. They've and, all, but let's be honest, they've already them, seen it. And then watch them like think too much of this movie. Yeah. Um, I'm not entirely convinced that anything in this movie has any real meaning. Um, I, I could genuinely see this just being, uh, let's just see what, what people will think of it when, when this gets put out there. I think what really drags it down for me is it's just slow. I think it's slow for, I don't know if it's for the sake of an atmosphere or or setting up like this feeling of insanity so he can sympathize with Henry a little bit more, but it's just slow. And I, I felt myself falling asleep so many times watching this and I think you can get a lot of what this movie's trying to, or maybe trying to say. I don't know. Who knows? And just cut it down a little bit more. This I don't think this movie needs to be an hour and a half. Yeah. <laughs> and normally I'm perfectly content with hour and a half. This movie to me could have been, I don't know, chopped off another 15 minutes. And I probably would have walked away feeling less frustrated by it. Yeah. But yeah. 
Um, it doesn't put me off from watching more David Lynch. Oh, it should. But <laughs> I think this is one of his better full packages of a movie. This movie feels a lot to me like, like you said, like a, a passion, like a five-year-long passion, like a, a passion project. So I, I appreciate it for that. But I don't see myself ever wanting to watch this again unless I like had to. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So let's five say, out of ten. We do a revisited episode. Eraserhead revisited. We have to watch all of the other movies We have to watch anything that <laughs> we didn't like all in one episode. <laughs> Cats and dogs and and a razor head revisited in one episode. We can mix the two and talk. We don't know what we're t- which one we're Wait talking minute, about. You liked cats and dogs. I know, but he doesn't. So it'd be funny. Brand- That's the only reason why I put tomatoes Brandon, in you, the salad you would because hate I it. think it's funny when I give you tomatoes and something. You would love it, Brandon. <laughs> he would love it. He likes Welcome to Whoop Whoop. No, nah, w- <laughs> Welcome to Whoop Whoop. I th- I think I just wanted to subject you guys to something s- just totally strange and oddball. And I I weird. liked Welcome to Whoop Whoop more than I thought I was going to, yeah. and I honestly oh, it's just an ongoing gag. Now. Yeah, no, it totally is. But the more time that I've spent away from Welcome to Whoop Whoop, I realize it's one of the movies that I remember more than other movies we've watched, and I think that's a good thing for it. <laughs> uh, and it might be because we talk about it a lot, but yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, my okay. real review. I fell asleep with this movie, but I give this a nine out of ten. <laughs> I think, um, I think part of it is like is is the meaning that I do attach to it through like I I really enjoyed the class that I took that we watched this in, and uh, as I've explained, like a lot of what I've gotten away from this movie as an inspiration for my own work. Um, I think it has a lot of meaning behind it in that way, but also I just like the vibes, and I think it's got good vibes for a movie. I've watched this movie with a lot of friends. I've done that showing to them. Maybe they have walked away saying, what the fuck did you show me? <laughs> what is but wrong with Blake? From what I've heard, it was a fun time. Um, and uh, yeah, I, I don't know. I, I, I generally am not a huge fan of David Lynch's like overall movies like we've kind of talked about. But I think this one has a lot of really good scenes that tie it all together that even if the ambience makes me want to like kind of click forward a little bit, I think in the end it's like, or make me fall asleep. But in the end, I think it's really, really fun to watch. And I think uh, the atmosphere and the, and the sound design is impressive enough that it always makes me just kind of feel uncomfortable or laugh at how uncomfortable it's trying to make me feel. And I think both of those go so closely together with with like David Lynch movies and this one particularly uh, that I think it's just really, really well done. And and some of them, like if you were to ask me like what my top memories of like a location or a person or a sound or something and all of those would be filled with at least one or two things from a razor head uh, and and yeah i think it's a great great movie for that so nine out of ten nice and i'm so excited i get to pick from our new jar brand new movies 60 movies 60 new movies in our brand new jar next year and a half all right there's actually like a sound in there now we 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 should have put 75 in why because then then that would take us to our 200 that would be nice maybe we should throw in a few more then our first movie from our jar with five more it was hard enough to come up with 20 (laughs) do the right thing that's my movie 
That's your movie. That's my movie. Okay. I've never seen this movie. Um, I've always heard great things about this movie, and um, I am excited to watch it and finally see what the hubbub's about. Yeah, uh, yeah. I know, Brandon. You've seen it for class. But, yeah, oh, I've yeah. seen it. I've seen it outside of class. Yeah, um, yeah. I don't. I, I I know a little bit about about what this movie's about, mm-hmm. but um, I've heard like a bunch of interviews with Spike Lee talking about it. But um, yeah, we'll do right things, I guess. Yeah, and in what context? I don't know, but we're gonna do them. Try and put the lid back on this jar. I'm watching you <laughs> try to screw it on crooked. There you go. Uh, nope, failed. Nope, failed. Nope, failed. I'm doing nope. the wrong nope. thing, right? Oh, that's nope, right. You, you need one of those uh, self-closing nope, jars. Nope, you failed. What is happening? Nope, you failed. Are you nope, kidding? You failed. Oh, there you go. The lid. <laughs> the lid. There you it, go. Has, it has these wedges in the side which go into each other. <laughs> I did it right. I did it right. Well, there we go. Next week. We're, you better do the right thing and listen oh, to our podcast. Next next week we're off. Are we off next week? What's happening? Yeah, we're off next week. Oh right, okay, we're off and next then, week, and then we'll be back. But the week after that, you better do the right thing and listen to this podcast. Yeah, you better do the right thing and tell people you listen to this podcast and you really like it, and get them to listen to this podcast. That would be a really right thing. It would be. And what else should you do to do the right thing, Jose? Uh, wipe their butt. I thought you were going to say email us. Oh. <laughs> I mean, you can do that too. You can do it while you are doing a toilet. Yeah. 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 If you, if you got to do a toilet, whether you do it in the shower or you do it in the, you can, you can, <laughs> can email the us. You can, you can email us. <laughs> okay. Uh, what's our email? Uh, dinner with the movie. <laughs> 2020. <laughs> At Gmail. <laughs> Dinner with a movie 2020 at gmail.com. I bet you said toy toy. <laughs> 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 <laughs>